Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I had an encounter with the winged creature myself and even posted the story of what happened to a group on Facebook that talks about things. 
I'm 32 years old and had never seen anything supernatural or alien in my life until last summer. I had always been, and still am, very much a skeptic, and to this day I try to convince myself that what I saw was actually a really big hawk or something, but I know I'm lying to myself. It was around 3.45 a.m. I'm driving west on 322 towards Chesterland, Ohio. I'm driving a Freightliner box truck with a load of newspapers. In the summertime of 2016 at night, there was always a layer of fog hanging down around the ground, and the moon was bright and the stars were out. Going about 50 miles per hour through the hills, I see this dark figure in the moonlight that was coming right at me. It looked huge, so I slammed the brakes and actually ducked down instinctively because I was driving right toward it at windshield level. I heard a big thud as the figure had gone over the cab and smacked right into the flat aluminum box right behind the cab at probably 40 miles per hour. I kept my foot on the brake and came to a stop on the side of the road, probably about 75 yards from where the impact happened. Wondering if it had smashed into the top of the box and thinking maybe I could see what it was I hit, I got out and looked around. The box wasn't smashed in, so I walked around to the back of the truck, and that's when I saw it in the moonlight almost as clear as day. This thing was huge. I thought for sure it was dead, but all of a sudden it rolled over, and that's when I saw its bat-like wings, not bird. Shaped, it rolled over and stood up on two legs, and was at least six feet tall. The thing looked right at me with its red-orange eyes, and I was literally frozen in fear. I could not move at all. Then it spread its huge wings out, jumped up, and flew off. I ran back to the truck and took off towards Chesterland as fast as I could and spent the rest of the night on edge in trying to rationalize what I had just seen. The closest thing I could describe it to is the Jeepers Creepers monster, but I wasn't that close to it that I could see facial features in much detail. Just the six-foot tall, bat-winged man with orange-red eyes. I do that route for work every week, and every time I go through that stretch on 322, I get uneasy. It freaks me to this day. The salty breeze ruffled my hair as I stood on the deck of our naval vessel, the U.S. Valor in the middle of the vast Pacific Ocean. We were conducting what should have been a routine training exercise, but something felt off that day. The ocean seemed eerily calm, and a sense of foreboding hung in the air. As the sun dipped low on the horizon, casting a golden glow over the water, we noticed an anomaly on the radar. An abandoned cargo ship drifting aimlessly in the sea, far from any known shipping lanes. It was an unusual sight and we couldn't help but be intrigued. With our curiosity piqued, we decided to investigate, unaware of the perilous journey that lay ahead. We boarded the eerily silent vessel, our boots echoing through empty corridors as we cautiously made our way deeper inside. The ship showed signs of neglect, rust, and decay eating away at its metal frame. The air was heavy with the smell of seawater, and the walls creaked with each gentle roll of the waves. As we entered the cargo hold, a sense of unease washed over us. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end as I scanned the dimly lit space. That's when we saw it, a creature unlike anything I had ever encountered. 
It stood hunched in the corner, its alabaster skin reflecting an almost ethereal glow in the faint light. The creature appeared completely bald, with a thin, sinewy frame that seemed to ripple with latent power. But what disturbed me the most were its facial features, or the lack thereof. It had no eyes, no nose, no mouth, just a smooth, featureless surface where a face should have been. It looked up at us with an unsettling sense of awareness, its gaze penetrating our souls despite the absence of eyes. The creature stood at least nine feet tall, but it crouched low to the ground, giving it an eerie predatory stance. It emitted a low guttural sound that sent shivers down my spine. I could feel the primal fear gnawing at my insides, but as a Navy SEAL, I knew I had to keep my composure. Before we could react, the creature sprang into action, moving with a startling agility. In the blink of an eye, it dashed away, disappearing into the shadows. It moved so fast that it almost seemed to blur, leaving us stunned and uncertain of how to proceed. We knew one thing for sure. This was no ordinary encounter. This creature was dangerous, and if left unchecked, it could pose a significant threat to not just us, but potentially the world. Our training had prepared us for many scenarios, but nothing could have readied us for this. Back on the U.S. Valor, we gathered in the command room, relaying our findings to our superiors. As we presented our account of the creature's description and abilities, a somber silence filled the room. The gravity of the situation weighed heavily on us all. It didn't take long for the higher-ups to reach a decision. The creature had to be neutralized. We were tasked with tracking it down and eliminating the potential threat it posed. But as we set out on our mission, a sense of moral conflict arose within me. Throughout our journey, we encountered various characters, each with their perspectives on the creature and its place in the world. Some believed it to be a misunderstood being, a guardian of the ocean's secrets, while others considered it a monster that needed to be eradicated at all costs. Among our team was Lieutenant Emily Sullivan, a marine biologist with a deep reverence for marine life. She couldn't bear the thought of destroying a creature that might hold the key to unlocking the mysteries of the ocean. Her passion for understanding the unknown urged us to consider alternative solutions. Conversely, there was Master Chief Frank Donovan, a seasoned SEAL with a personal vendetta against the creature. He lost his brother in a tragic encounter with a similar being years ago, and was driven by the need for vengeance. His determination to eliminate the creature put him at odds with those advocating a more cautious approach. As we delved deeper into the legend of the creature, we discovered ancient texts from indigenous tribes recounting tales of the Guardian of the Deep. According to the legends, the creature was said to protect the ocean from human interference and exploitation. Could it be that we were trespassing in its territory? Our pursuit of the creature took us to uncharted waters, both literally and metaphorically. The journey challenged our beliefs, our fears, and our humanity. We faced near, impossible odds and endured heart-stopping encounters, but we also found unexpected allies along the way. With every passing day, I found myself torn between duty and empathy. The creature was not mindless. It possessed an intelligence that defied explanation. As we closed in on our target, 
I couldn't help but wonder if there was a way to coexist with this enigmatic being to find a middle ground between destruction and understanding. In a climactic final confrontation, we cornered the creature in a hidden underwater cave. It turned to face us, its smooth, featureless visage, almost serene amid the chaos. Our instincts urged us to attack, but as I locked eyes with the creature, or where its eyes should have been, a profound realization washed over me. In that moment, I understood that this creature was more than a threat. It was a guardian of something greater than us all. The depths of the ocean held secrets we could never comprehend, and the creature was merely protecting its home from intruders like us. With the weight of our decisions bearing down on us, I raised my hand, signaling my team to stand down. As we withdrew from the cave, the creature regarded us one last time before retreating into the inky darkness of the deep sea. Our mission was not a failure, but rather a lesson in humility and respect for the unknown. We returned to the U.S. Valor, forever changed. Our perceptions of the world and our place in it forever altered. I am late for the party. Well, I was working as a chef cleaner, whatever, for a small company. I mostly did all the available job there, so I had to work many hours, also night shifts and so. I worked there for 13 years, and I was in relative seclusion since I was working mostly alone, a lot of hours, and had no private time at all. So it felt life seclusion. So, where do I start? first creepy experience of many I got was when I was working during night shifts. I saw a woman walking by. I can describe the clothes, the hair color, everything. She was barefoot. She looked real, 100%. I even started searching for her around since I thought it was real. Only her face was blurry. It would not be so strange if the company wasn't like 15. 20 minutes driving from the nearest city through secondary roads in the middle of the woods at night. Also, the company was on the edge of the forest, so there is absolutely nothing around for someone to be there. Since then, I used to work with the owner dog with me. I know it's not legal, but I was scared like hell. And the animal wasn't comfortable being there. I had to force him to be there. My second creepy experience was listening chantings and noises on the second floor right above the factory. There was. I guess there still is some sort of apartment with a bed and an office, nothing else. And I wasn't the only one that has listened to those strange noises. Some people that took care of the building during staff vacations told me. Many years later, he used to avoid this part of the building since he heard voices and chantings. My third creepy encounter could be a repercussion of the others since I was sleeping and living in the apartment that I previously talked about, above the factory. One night I heard clearly my name. There was plenty of light from the moon, and I remember waking up, and I could see my breath. It was super cold, and that's not common during summer. I failed to explain that I worked there for 13 years, but just from June to September. I couldn't move, and I know what are you going to say. Sleep paralysis, and it was probably that. But I heard a woman, old creepy woman, talking to me right in my heart. 
I could feel her breath in my ear, and I swear to God I could see the pressure of her body in the sheets and the bed, like she was lying right beside me. I don't quite remember all what she said, but after she was done, I could swear that I saw how the pressure over the bed was released and heard some footsteps on the wooden floor. Also, the door to exit the room opened. It could be the wind since the window was open. Whatever it was, it scared the hell out of me. I have never been so scared in my life. I guess it could be sleep paralysis and I choose to believe. So I also was under a lot of stress, so I don't know. Maybe it was my brain playing with me. What it makes this even more creepy is that this apartment was loaned to other workers. So some other people used to sleep there during other periods of the year. Some other year, I worked with a woman that used to sleep there before she moved, talking to her. She told me she moved out of fear. She said she could see an old creepy lady. She didn't go into details, but she refused to go in there and seemed to be truly scared. Maybe our boss told her my story, so she was conditioned. I don't know. The place wasn't pleasant at all. It's all I can say. I don't know why. I got many other experiences from the place but I wanted to keep the story short. I also can answer with more details if someone is interested. I grew up in Lebanon and I used to go hiking quite often in the mountains with friends in high school and college. My college camping club decides to do a night hike on Cornet El Sauda, Black Horn, which is the tallest peak in the country. The peak is only two miles above sea level, and the paths are easily visible on full moons, so we thought it would be fun for a group of experienced hikers. There were some fifteen of us, and I took point along with two other friends. The night was relatively clear, but we'd had alerts of high northern winds, so there was a risk of dust clouds passing through. One of those clouds manages to catch us right as we're cresting one of the passages leading out of a small ravine, and we decide to hunker down and wait for the other dozen hikers to catch up to us. That's when we start hearing these scraping sounds from the opposite side of where we expected the hikers, and perpendicular to the wind's direction, like heavy footsteps on the loose scree. We're on the top of a mountain at 2 a.m., 15 miles away from the nearest village, and there shouldn't be anything up there big enough to move that much scree with every step. The local rangers had said we were the only group up there that night, too. It keeps up for a good 10 minutes, sometimes closer and sometimes farther away, like something was wandering around. We had no idea what the F it was. I tried to joke about calling it, but my friends looked at me like I was an idiot, so I kept it shut. Then it stopped. The other hikers caught up five minutes later, right as the wind was dying down. So we told them about it, and they thought we were pulling their leg. We walked up the path now that we could see it, and sure enough, we could see a couple of spots where the scree and loose stones had been pushed down the slope on either side of the crest, but we never saw anything else. The rest of the hike was uneventful, and most of our group concluded that the wind had just pushed the loose rock down. But I don't understand how it could have done that down both sides of a crest. On a rowing team, coach couldn't get off work, so it fell to me to direct practice. Steady state. Long, slow, maintainable pace for a long time. 
up the river to the Lake Erie, appropriately. Four rowers and myself, all of them facing backwards, with me steering and directing them. We leave from Toledo, north down the Maume, which is a shipping corridor. By the time we passed the last boy, there were no lights ahead. Late afternoon practice, late fall, clouds light drizzle, and there was nothing but a black wall to look forward at. Our bow light threw off too little light to really see by, just enough to be seen. Given that our team had discovered corpses on every other attempt at this role, we were expecting to see some shit. Not seeing anything was equally disturbing, though, and it was getting late, so we turned around. Now the rowers got to stare into the blackness. This prompted scary stories. Good ones were shared, and finally we had light again. The mood lightened. All of a sudden, off to starboard. We all see something leaving a ripple. Descriptions all agreed it was round in shape, supported by a thin stem leading into the water, presumably to a larger body. It followed us for maybe thirty meters, then dropped into the water without a trace. No splash, just the trailing ripple it had behind its stem. Five of us saw the same thing. No one said a word until it was gone. Still have no idea what it was. I packed into Hammersley Wild Area in upstate Pennsylvania a few years ago with a friend. I brought along a new set of Motorola walkies, and after we set up camp, my buddy decided to hike up to the ridge behind us so we could mess around with them. He was about three-quarters of the way up and long out of sight of me when he keyed his radio to say something. At the exact same time, I heard what sounded like a loud growl or roar from off in the distance. There was a bit of delay on my walkie-talkie, and then I heard the growl come over the speaker, followed by my buddy saying, What was that? He came back down in a hurry. No idea what made the sound, but it was eerie as hell. Another night in the same area, we had a pack of coyotes circling our tent and howling like banshees. Not much sleep was had that night. I witnessed a bizarre creature run across my driveway. I own 14 acres of woodland, and I'm also surrounded by forest just outside of Oxford, Connecticut. I was driving down my driveway when a bipedal creature about four feet tall and about as wide as my thigh ran out of the woods to my left, across my driveway, and into the woods and yard of the property on the right. It was about 10 yards away from me, so I got a good look at it. It looked like a tree on legs with small arms. No visible curves, hips, or shoulders. Just straight. It was brown, skinny, with no fur or hair, lightning fast and light as a feather. Almost looked like it wasn't even touching the ground. I didn't hear a sound from it running, and all the birds and other animals were dead silent. When it ran, it didn't prance like most animals or run like a human. Its legs were moving as if you were pedaling a bicycle. I saw the back and a bit of the right side of it. I didn't see the front or a face. I didn't see a tail, ears, or any other body parts a normal animal or human would have. About two months ago, I was outside around 10 p.m., and there were two owls hooting back and forth. Then I heard this god-awful screeching sound wasn't a fisher cat or screech owl. I have no idea if that was related or not. 
I don't do drugs and I was not drinking. I'm not on any medication or anything like that. I don't know if it was for sure an alien, but I don't know what else it could be. I did not see any craft or anything, although I wasn't going to walk through the woods to look either. I was riding with my good friend in his 1970s Land Cruiser Jeep. We wanted to go out in 4x4 in the snow, as I had traveled over to John Day from Salem where it never snows. The snow was coming down and a torrent bringing visibility to a minimum. But we were just creeping along a logging road through about 12 inches of snow. As we rounded a bend in the road, we came to an open area where they stacked fallen logs and Bigfoot leapt out in front of the vehicle. It stopped for a second and faced us, then jumped off the road to the other side. My friend yelled, Oh my God, what was that? We jumped out of the vehicle and I had my 9mm Daywood pistol with me. When I jumped out, I set the box of bullets on the hood. We walked forward to where it had jumped out and saw the footprints around 16, 18 inches long, fresh in the deep snow. My friend shined his flashlight in it and you could make out the toes. It was snowing so hard that they were already beginning to fill in, and we looked at each other and panic overcame us. My friend shouted, Oh my God! What if we get snowed in, we have to get out of here? He screamed this, and I was overcame with panic. I started to fire my pistol into the air and emptied the clip. I turned to run back to the vehicle and grabbed my box of bullets off the hood, and they were gone. Just an indentation in the snow on the hood. Where I set them, no slide marks. They were just gone. We drove out of there in a panic. It wasn't until we got out onto the main Bear Creek Road that we started to calm down, and later we asked each other what happened. Why were we scared? Normally this would not have frightened us. We were 18, 19, and had no fear. I've gone to a boys' camp for ten of the last twelve summers. The first six years as a camper, the last four as a counselor. During the duration of this camp, we go on campouts periodically. After the campers went to sleep, myself and three other counselors decided we wanted to go frog gigging. This is an activity where you use sharp jacked objects to kill frogs and later eat them. Well, as we ventured to a little pond about half a mile from the campsite, we then heard some footsteps in the woods. We had flashlights, but we didn't see anything. Then a sound that sounded like a velociraptor was heard from the woods. Then a giant tree fell down, or at least that's what it sounded like. We noped it out of there as fast as we could. It was terrifying, and none of us to this day know what it was or what caused the loud noises. It was terrifying. I went there to go hunting. It was archery season, so after school I grabbed my bow, changed into my camos, and drove to the top of the pass. The road is really bad, so it takes some time. Once at the top, I stayed on the baker's side so I wouldn't spook anything in the meadows below. After glassing for some time, not seeing anything, I took off to the south. Along the ridge line, hunting. Went maybe a half a mile of so, set up behind a downed log, and waited, glassing often. Maybe a half an hour passed when I noticed a bear about 500 yards out. 
I watched it off and on. It would go into small draws where I wouldn't see it. Then it would reappear closer. When it got to about 300 yards, I noticed if it would stay on the same path. I might be able to get an arrow into it, so when it disappeared into another small draw, I started planning how to get ahead of it and get a shot. When it reappeared, it was maybe 200 yards away, and in the binoculars I watched it walk on two legs, downhill for at least 40 yards. For some reason I got pretty nervous and moved, which he saw. At that he stopped and looked directly at me. I didn't think he could see me, but he turned and started back the way it came. Not running, but covering a lot of ground quick. I have hunted all my life, whitewater rafting, backpacking, and can say for certain what I say was not a bear or any other known animal. When it turned its whole top, turned with it. I have seen many bears, deer, elk, and know this was none of them. I have not been back since, and have only told my wife what I have seen. I'm an avid hiker, and living in Colorado has given me an appreciation for nature, but it wasn't until I went hiking in Montana that I gained a healthy fear for nature as well. This was back in 2013, and me and my brother wanted to go up to Montana for a hiking, fishing trip. Pulling a few strings and making a few calls allowed us some time in an amazing fishing cabin with a guide for two days. We fished and relaxed the first two days and I asked the guide before he left about a good overnight hike in the area. He said that Ursa Ridge is a great hike, but to bring a good can of bear spray. He mentioned that a few people had gone missing on the trail, but that this time of year should make for a perfectly mild hike. The next morning, my brother woke up with a pretty severe cold. I didn't want to go without him, but he insisted I go anyways. I conceded and went, and this is where things got weird. The whole hike up to the ridge was fine, peaceful, and the trees were gorgeous. But every once in a while I would look back and see a footprint or two of mine was covered in a bear track. Strange, but I didn't think much on it. I got to the ridge, set up my hammock a little below it to block off the wind, and went to sleep with plans to wake up and watch the sunrise. But I was roughly awoken from that with chills down my spine. It was pitch black, so I assumed a cloud was over the full moon I had glimpsed on my hike up. Something was deadly wrong, and I knew it. I felt a tugging and urge to go back to the top of the ridge. I trembled, shaking as I slowly made up my way to the top, and my God, what I saw made me speechless. The clouds had moved and revealed a horror beyond imagination. Thousands of bears literal hundreds upon hundreds of the dreaded creatures spread out across the valley below. I started crying, tears running down my face as I tried to remain silent, unnoticed. Then slowly a noise arose from the lips of the creatures. I strained to hear, but slowly I comprehended the spine-tingling chant. Mark your post as serious or suffer a fate worse than death. I ran back down the trail, no effort to pack up my camp. Nothing chased me. Nothing happened. Every footprint was a bear print, but I had no time to register what that meant. I ran into the cabin, my brother asleep. I ran to the bathroom and stared into the mirror to see gazing back at me, a perfectly normal face. I sighed with relief. My stealth had not failed me yet. My true identity was not known. 
I slept and never told this to another soul until now. EMT here. One of my partners told me a story about an old fire station that used to be in use. He and his partner at the time were sleeping in the bunks, and it's pitch black for them. This fire station kind of looked like the one in Ghostbusters, so I'd say that the building dated back to the 60s. Anyways, there's no one else in the station except for them. Their mini-fridge in the room cracked and someone screamed Bishop. I'm not in the mood, and then the fridge slowly closed. Another one of my partners said that they had a situation that it was at a similar time around the top. All of the firefighters were sound asleep, sometimes in our bays, garage main doors to station. We keep the back doors to our ambulances closed. At that time, my partner stated that they heard a loud thump, went to go inspect what happened, and they found the back doors open to the truck and their equipment jumped bag on the floor. My co-worker used to be a security guard for the forensic mental health unit nearby. It used to be a mental asylum and was renowned for treating its patients horribly. There's a graveyard nearby with over 200 unmarked graves for bodies. They exhumed on the old asylum grounds. A lot of people would try to sneak into the old abounded buildings and my co-worker and his partner would get deployed to tell them to piss off or to check it out to make sure no one was there and he said very regularly he would feel spirits, see unexplained movement and hear screaming, especially in the treatment and intake rooms. I'm not very spiritual, but I totally believe him. That place has a lot of sad history behind it. I live on the back of an old metal asylum, and there is a covered-over burial site not far from my house. I came across the burial plot plans with all the names of everyone buried there once, and why they had been committed. It's amazing the reasons. Some were just pregnant out of wedlock, or menopausal, or even defiant of their husbands. These people spent over 40 years condemned to an insane asylum, and died there never actually having any mental illness. Very sad. I was in the Army, but this story seems right for here. We were on a night patrol close to this weird place up in the hills. Didn't make us feel good inside, but couldn't tell why. During this patrol, one of our squads started reporting movement. When we all got to their position, they all looked like sheets. The CEO of the squad was holding one end, if the radio with oil, it being connected, and to this day everyone in that squad swears that they heard a girl's voice through that radio. About three miles down, the hill was a village that we'd visited before, and we had children watch us move to that position before, but we couldn't find anyone during that night that wasn't one if us. While I was in the Marine Corps stationed in Okinawa, Japan in 1995, I was at a shooting range near Camp Schwab guarding ammunition. Sometime in August, I had just done a radio check at about 9 p.m. with range control to let them know everything was okay. 
I pulled my poncho up over my whole body because of the bugs attacking me. The next thing I know, my poncho is pulled off of me, and I see what would be called a typical gray-looking alien, except that its skin was more of an almond color. It was a very bright night with a full moon, standing over me with what looked like four others behind him. What shocked me even more was that it talked to me, but it sounded like one of those adult characters on the Peanuts cartoons. Like what, what, what? I remember just becoming unhinged, jumping up and starting screaming when it talked to me, and then it just disappeared along with the others. The other guy guarding ammo with me woke up when he heard me scream and asked what was wrong. I told him what had just happened, and he looked at me like I was crazy. I then noticed that it was 10.45 p.m., and I was like, what the heck? I know that I did not fall asleep because it was my turn on the radio watch. I know that I did not dream this, but cannot account for the missing time. I did not want to radio in what just happened for fear of getting a psych evaluation, even though an intruder near an ammunition dump is serious and should have been called in. The other Marine with me said that he was asleep the whole time and did not see or hear anything until I started screaming and jumping around. I kept quiet about this incident for a few days, but it was bothering me so much that finally, about a week later, I told a couple of my friends about it. A good friend of mine that had been out there a day before said that almost the same thing happened to him, except that he had chased it into the ammo tent, and when he was just about to shoot it, it just disappeared. He said that he was also afraid to say anything because he thought that people would think that he was crazy. I never saw any bright lights or alien spacecraft, just the aliens. Didn't see anything but heard. I lived in rural Massachusetts to anyone who's familiar that means miles of woodland with spaced out suburban areas in between. I was walking down my grandfather's logging trail, getting ready for his funeral. I'm also an avid mushroom collector, so I'm always walking slowly and staring at the ground. Friend ate me, basically, so I get to this cool little white captain mushroom and stop to take a close-up picture of it, and that's when I heard it. The best way I can describe it is as if somebody with a lot of flesh on his knuckles were punching a tree. Now I know what a deer sounds like when they stomp to protect their children and are smashing their antlers on trees. I've heard bear fisher cat moose pretty much any animal in the western Massachusetts that exists so naturally I looked up and freaked the hell out. It was so rhythmic thud thud. It went on for many at the same pace. So being the curious person that I am, I let out a whistle that couldn't be mistaken for a bird. Right after my whistle, I hear a low, quick whistle back. My first thought is, oh, it must be some logger scooping the land past the no-trespassing gate. Ignorant, I know. So I yell out hello pretty much as loudly as I could, then whatever it was ran away faster than I've ever heard a human being run. In using my experience with deer dogs, moose, and bear, I just assessed that I could have possibly rationalized it being a four-legged creature. I know that what they sound like running, and this was much closer to a two-legged creature, I'm 100% positive on that. 
What doesn't make sense, however, is that the two-legged creature that, when it ran away from me faster than any two-legged creature I have ever heard before, also sounded like it was at a minimum 250 pounds. The steps were loud and very frank. A lot of people believe Bigfoot has a spiritual connection to the forest it remains in, and thus the creatures in it as well. I do not find it a coincidence that this happened the day of my grandfather's funeral. I ran all the way home, and I'd never looked back. I was 13, I think, going through severe depression, crying a lot for no reason most of the night, got up to go to the washroom and wash my face. When I got out of the washroom, there was this thing hovering by the TV table in the hallway. It had limbs but very long fingers with long nails. Hair was like an afro, but with long strands of spiky locks. I can't remember the facial features, but I remember staring at it in disbelief, and it smiling back at me. I remember how the feet were floating few inches from the ground, and how the white gown it wore was flowing. After I looked away and looked at the same place where it was, it was gone. I never saw it again. I have never hallucinated in my life. It seemed very real like actually seeing another person in front of you and the distance between the washroom and the living is not far, close enough to see someone smile or blink. Around nine or ten years ago, when I was twenty, one, I used to play a lot of online poker. One night, it was pretty late, maybe around 3 a.m., and I decided to step outside for a smoke break. As I stood there, a little side street led into mine, and a strange van pulled out. It stayed there for a good 25 seconds, which I assumed was them scouting the area. I noticed they turned their heads towards me before driving off to the left. My neighborhood was usually quiet, and I didn't think much of it. However, a sudden uneasiness washed over me, and I couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me. Then, out of nowhere, a voice whispered my name directly into my right ear. I could feel the breath, the vibration of the voice, and its warmth. But when I looked around, there was no one there, not a single soul. I checked my neighbor's front yard and my garage, but I found nothing. Feeling unnerved, I tossed my cigarette went back inside and logged off my computer. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off as I was shutting down the PC. The van slowly drove past my house again. To this day, I firmly believe that the mysterious voice saved me from something sinister. What could have happened if I hadn't heard it? I'll never know, but I'm grateful for that inexplicable intervention that night. I'm a Aaron, a forest ranger. I have been working for several years now, and I have seen a lot of strange things during my time on the job. However, nothing could have prepared me for what happened one fateful weekend in October of 1996. It was a chilly Saturday night, and I was patrolling the Mackenzie Pass in Oregon, close to the Pacific Crest Trail. My duties as a park ranger often involve driving through the forest, keeping an eye out for any signs of trouble or wildlife that might need my attention. At around 2 a.m., I was driving and spotlighting, checking the area for any suspicious activity. 
Suddenly, I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. At first, I thought it might have been a deer or some other large animal. But as it got closer, I realized that it was something else entirely. The creature that ran across the trail was massive, easily eight, nine feet tall, with a silver-gray coat that shimmered in the moonlight. It moved with incredible speed and agility, bounding across the trail in a single leap. I was stunned, frozen in place by the sheer size and power of the creature. For a moment, I couldn't believe what I had just seen. It was like something out of a nightmare, a creature that defied all logic and reason. But as I sat there in shock, I knew that I had to act quickly. I radioed back to headquarters, letting them know what had happened and asking for backup. Within minutes, a team of rangers arrived on the scene, armed with rifles and flashlights. We combed the area, searching for any signs of the creature, but it was nowhere to be found. It was like it had vanished into thin air. Over the next few days, we scoured the area, looking for any evidence that could explain what we had seen. We spoke to local residents and hikers, but no one had seen or heard anything out of the ordinary. Despite the lack of evidence, I knew what I'd seen. It was a Bigfoot, a legendary creature that had been the subject of countless stories and sightings over the years. I'd always been skeptical of such claims, but now I knew that there was more to the world than I had ever imagined. Years have passed since that fateful night, and I have since retired from my duties as a park ranger but I will never forget the experience I had on the McKenzie Pass in the Bigfoot that ran across the trail in the dead of night. It was a reminder that there are still mysteries in this world that we have yet to uncover and that we should always keep an open mind to the unknown. I had always loved visiting my dad's house in Maryland, especially because of the beautiful country roads and the peacefulness of the area. But on this particular morning, I experienced something that I never thought I would encounter. I had been driving for a while, and as I was coming up a hill, I saw something strange. At first, I thought it was just my imagination, but as I got closer, I could see that it had a face. The figure peeked its head out, and I could see that it was tall, almost seven feet or more, and it seemed to be floating or moving so fast that it looked like it was. Suddenly, the figure darted across the street, and I had to slam on my brakes to avoid hitting it. By the time I had come to a stop, the figure had disappeared. I looked around, but there was nothing but trees, and the light was just coming up, making it hard to see. I decided to turn left and head down the road to see if I could find any trace of the figure, but it was nowhere to be found. I drove as fast as I could, but there was nothing to be seen. It was as if the figure had vanished into thin air. I was in shock, but I wasn't scared. I knew the road was surrounded by woods, and if the figure had been moving as fast as it appeared to be, I should have been able to see it flying through the trees, but there was nothing. It was as if the figure had never existed. I immediately called the park ranger who was responsible for the area. He was a friendly man, and he listened patiently as I explained what had happened. To my surprise, he didn't seem shocked or surprised by my story. Instead, he told me that he had heard similar stories from other people in the area. He explained that the woods were home to many creatures, and some of them were unknown to us. He advised me to be cautious while driving in the area, especially during the early hours of the morning when the creatures were most active. 
I thanked him for his advice, and as I hung up, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. What had I seen that morning? Was it really just a creature from the woods, or was it something else entirely? I may never know the answer to that question, but one thing is for sure. I will always be more careful when driving on those country roads, especially during the early hours of the morning. I am a highly reputable source. I am a licensed English teacher currently working at a large public high school in Oregon. I am educated and am of sound mind, and I'm not wasting my efforts here on a hoax of any sort. Finally, my most accurate narrative memory of my sighting. I was alone in a two-bedroom residence located approximately one-fourth mile north of U.S. Highway 199 on a gradual wooded slope. On this three-acre property, there are two horse pastures, one below the house and one above the house. Both pastures are surrounded by active hot-wire fences and contain two horses, which may move freely between both lower and upper pasture. I was completing a research paper for a college class at the kitchen table. I had on light on, and my friend's dog, a small brown healer, was on a 35-feet wire tethered tied to the porch outside the small house. I was completely engrossed in schoolwork when I heard the dog outside begin to go ballistic. I was quite alarmed by this, so I immediately tuned into the animal's actions. I will never forget what I heard. All the dogs and horses from the other residences, which were quite far away, over several rises and ridges, were shrieking non-stop. Wanting to be cautious, I went to my gun safe and removed a large caliber pistol and a powerful flashlight and headed towards the front door. I turned off all the lights in the house and I opened the front door, carefully searching with a flashlight and pistol before exiting. What I saw unnerved me. The small healer was focused on the lower horse pasture and steadily loosing a quiet growl. The two horses had moved to the upper pasture and were rustling about and neighing very unusually. I squatted down beside the dog, who did not pay me any attention, very unusual, and pointed my flashlight in the direction of his muzzle. What I saw at this time nearly stopped my heart. There was a large figure crouched down outside the outer hot wire in the tall grass beside a telephone pole. My light was reflected back at me by two small circular markers on the pole and further dispersed by the light fog making initial identification. Very difficult. I immediately thought bare. To my complete shock, the dog suddenly screamed and leapt straight into the air with its hair bristled. Upon landing, it bolted under a pickup truck and whined like a puppy. As this happened, realized that this all occurred in but several seconds, I saw a creature rise up on two legs and begin to move along the hot wire. I rose to a full standing position and aimed my pistol right on it. In my mind, I was thinking bear. No horse, no man, no God, what the F is this thing? I consciously tracked the creature with my pistol sights and flashlight beam. I was a military police officer in the Army for over five years and trained in firearms tactics. It all came back at this moment, let me tell you, for at least two full seconds in which time I saw this huge thing take off in a full bipedal run. The thud-thud rhythm and distinct movement of two legs' feet are unmistakable. I was more frightened than I can ever remember being. 
Yeah, I am a grown man. And I bolted for the house and immediately armed myself with larger weapons and called my friend's father to come from Grant's Pass to search for this thing. Upon his arrival, we drove down to the road outside the hot wire where I estimated the creature to have been. Since the road was gravel, all we found was disturbed grass, as if something large had moved through it. No footprints were located. For the remainder of the night and into the next morning, all the animals in the small community near Wilderville, Oregon, were restless and noisy, the little healer being the worst off, for he did not calm down for a whole day. I've always felt a certain connection to the Amazon rainforest, so when I received the assignment to investigate the strange occurrences in a remote village, I couldn't help but feel a sense of excitement. As a government official, I had dealt with my fair share of unusual cases, but none had ever taken me to the heart of the jungle. Upon my arrival, I could feel the tension hanging in the air. The villagers, belonging to a tribe of about 30 people, had experienced a horrific attack. Seven of their own had been killed, and many more were wounded. The survivors recounted their harrowing ordeal, describing a large creature that resembled a giant dog standing on its hind legs. They spoke of massive claws, teeth, and fangs that glistened in the moonlight. As I listened to their stories, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something unnatural about this creature. Locals reported that it was taller than a man, at least two meters in height, and possessed terrifying strength and speed. The villagers were understandably terrified to stay alone at night, and many had fled their homes for safety. Determined to get to the bottom of this, I ventured into the rainforest with a small team of locals, armed with whatever weapons we could find. We searched for any signs of the creature, but it seemed to have vanished without a trace. The jungle was eerily quiet, and I couldn't help but feel that we were being watched. As night fell, we decided to set up camp and wait for the creature to reveal itself. We huddled around the fire, sharing stories and trying to ease the tension. But deep down, we all knew that we were in great danger. Suddenly, we heard a guttural growl coming from the darkness. It was close. Our hearts raced as we gripped our weapons, eyes scanning the shadows for any sign of the beast. Then it emerged. The creature was even more terrifying than the villagers had described. A massive black dog-like being with enormous claws and fangs that glinted in the firelight. It stood on its hind legs, towering over us, and let out a deafening roar. Instinct took over, and we fought for our lives. The creature was fast and powerful, but we managed to land a few blows. Bloodied and beaten, it retreated into the darkness, leaving us shaken but alive. We returned to the village, relieved to have survived the encounter. The government dispatched additional support to protect the villagers, and we shared our findings with the world. So me and my friends were going airsofting in my friend's woods at night. There were five of us. Three were on a team, and the other two had to go into the woods and set up a plan. When they were done, we went to go in, but we were stopped multiple times by my friend who did not want to go in at all. He kept having a dreaded feeling the whole time. 
I felt the same way, but I thought it was just the feeling of being hit by pellets or something, so I ignored it. When we finally went to go in a figure properly about six feet five, not skinny and not big either, ran towards us, but then changed directs once all three of us started to shoot at it. I was in arm's reach of it. I couldn't see his face or anything like it was blocked. Our shots did not affect him at all. His stance did not falter. Then he ran into the woods and the other two seen him as well, and they came running back to the rest of us. We traced his steps, and they abruptly stopped in the middle of the woods, but there was no sign of him at all. It almost doesn't feel real, and I can't get him out of my head. What do y'all think? About ten years ago, I took my brother and friend with my two dogs quail hunting and found a trail leading from the desert up into a feeder canyon in the southern Sierra Nevada. I parked the truck at the trailhead, and there were a couple of run-down abandoned cabins on either side of the trail. We were all strapped with handguns, and we announced ourselves and approached the cabins. One of them had a real cool old attachment shack made of rocks against the slope of the hill. None of us got any bad vibes, and the dogs were fine, so we split up and started hunting. Now at one point I started chasing a covey away from the cabins in the direction that we came, and I noticed in my peripheral vision a man with crossed arms off my left about forty yards away. And when I did a double take, all I saw was a Joshua tree in that same spot. So I kept after me, dogs and birds, and I again felt someone looking at me from a different spot, but on the same side of the mountain. And again, when I turned, it was a Joshua tree. The real strange thing is that later that morning I went hunting past the cabins into the canyon and my brother was on the slope about 150 feet above me looking for Chukar. He later told me that when he saw me by the creek thicket, below him a gray mist cloud moved down the canyon and went over me and my dogs between him and me, and he said that made him feel real uneasy. Nothing else happened on the trip, but if I believed in ghosts... I would say that some miner is guarding his stash up there. I have tried to go back to that spot over the years, but the wife and kids get mad and have said that I'm going to bring back some bad mojo. If I go so I let it be, every summer on the way to Bishop, I look off towards the Sierras and see the haunted canyon far off in the distance. This was told to me by one of the guys who had the encounter. He and his hunting partner were hunting somewhere in Utah. I'm being vague because I don't remember exactly where, and I'm sworn to secrecy, so no identifying info. They were on horses in the middle of nowhere in a large blind canyon, one way in, one way out. Lots of deadfall took most of the day on horseback to get in. So to set the scene, middle of nowhere in tough country, they come upon a guy dressed in 1950s hunting apparel, standing in the middle of a deadfall that no one had any business standing in. They had rode in from the bottom and did not see any traces. They approached to make themselves friendly. Horses want nothing to do with this guy's. An air of tension is casting a pall on this whole interaction. The guy is nice enough except for the fact that he had red eyes. Not pothead, ripped out of his mind, red, glowing red eyes. Yep, 
red flannel in the middle of nowhere and glowing red eyes. They took their leave, both nervous. My buddy looked back at the gag, gone. Nowhere to go, but he was not there. My friend has only told this to a couple of people. I know it's a little anticlimactic, but at the time it scared the crap out of two grown men with rifles. Glowing red-eyed dude had no rifle. My friend is sure that he met the devil himself that day. They have never been back. Hunting about ten miles into a trail in central California near Santa Barbara for deer. It's the last morning as we are out of water and I'm tired of boiling. In drinking warm water from a little spring. Didn't have a filter but wish I did. Watched a small buck walk up a hill and disappear into the brush. Few seconds later heard the most thrilling and blood-curling scream I ever heard. Looked at my friends and they were wide-eyed too. Sounded like a banshee or women being stabbed. Concluded it was probably a weird bird sound and proceeded to take off running towards where I saw the buck disappear. In hopes of relocating it and confirming it was too small to legally take. Right where the scream came from. Found nothing and called it quits and hiked out of there. In my city, there's this old mansion surrounded by acres of land, which is also a park out in the country. The frontage road, main road, is lined with tall palm trees for several miles. But it's all flatlands from the mansion to a main highway intersection, about 15 miles. There's stories of the mansion and surrounding area being haunted, so a group of us would go out there at late at night just to see if we'd see anything. So one night, a bunch of us with nothing better to do go out there and drive around the park. After a while of not seeing anything, we decide to head down towards the highway. Now it's late at night in the country, and no one is on the road when all of a sudden, it appears there's a car coming towards us in the opposite direction. It's not the headlights that we see, but the glare of the headlights, like the top of the lights as if it were to come up from hill. Best way to describe it, Anyways, I turned down my high beams because I don't want to blind the other driver when we all notice the car isn't coming closer, approaching us. Since I'm driving, I'm thinking, weird, so I speed up, thinking the oncoming car will be visible. Again, this is a flat road. There's no hills, so I'm getting a little nervous that this car's headlights has not come into view. The other thing, no matter how fast or slow I was driving, that light kept the same distance never getting any closer or farther. I'm getting a little freaked out, and I'm still driving fast, like 60, 70 miles per hour, and we are still just seeing the top of what should have been headlights. After about maybe 10 minutes, the light disappears. So we think the wheel catch up to what we think is a parked car, but no, nothing. We reached the intersection for the highway, and there was no car or anything. That road is a two-way road with grape fields on both sides, so there's no way it could have pulled off to the side. We drove back down that road to head back towards the mansion and to the city, but those car lights never appeared and we never figured out what it was. Bow hunting on my friend's property in Northern California for deer a few years ago. 
It's only five acres, but for some reason, monster black tail like to come through that area. Set up where I see them coming through on trail camera at 4 a.m. and begin waiting. Still dark, and I look over my shoulder behind me and see a bush I don't remember being there, about 15 yards from me. I continue to stare at this bush for about 20 minutes. During this 20-minute period, the bush kept shape-shifting, changing into the shape of a human, a bear, a rabbit, and all other various weird shapes. I look forward and look back, and it's now moved, and I start to realize it's not a bush and something keeps creeping towards me. It's obviously aware of me and is probably within ten yards of me. I'm thinking it's a lion and this is getting real bad. It's still shape shifting and just floating along. Disappears behind a small hill ten yards to my left. Arrow knocked him ready for whatever this thing is to pounce on me. Arrow knocked I blast my headlamp and watch a dewbook get away from me. Crazy what the imagination can come up with when your eyes can't fully adjust or comprehend to what you're looking at. It was a cold early morning, and I was driving to work at 4 a.m. I had always preferred taking the back roads, even if it meant waking up a bit earlier. There was something calming about the quiet countryside as I navigated the twists and turns, far from the noise and chaos of the city. As I drove into a small valley, I noticed a thin layer of fog enveloping the landscape, lending an ethereal quality to the scene. My headlights pierced through the mist, revealing the road ahead. I continued driving, alert and focused, until something unusual caught my eye. Suddenly, the fog right in front of me seemed to take on a peculiar shape. It appeared to form the figure of a teenager wearing a hoodie, his hands tucked into his pockets and his back to me. The sight was so unexpected and eerie that it sent a shiver down my spine. In the blink of an eye, the ghostly apparition seemed to flow over my car as I drove through it. It all happened so quickly that I didn't even have time to break. I just screamed, my heart pounding in my chest. I continued driving, my nerves rattled by the bizarre encounter. Now, I don't believe in ghosts, and I know it was probably just a freak shape in the fog, but it was enough to leave me shaken for the rest of my drive to work. As the sun began to rise and the fog dissipated, I couldn't help but replay the incident in my mind, questioning what I had seen. Though I knew it was most likely just an odd formation in the mist, the experience left me with a lingering sense of unease. Now, whenever I drive through foggy back roads, I can't help but keep an eye out for any ghostly shapes lurking in the mist. And though I still don't believe in ghosts, that chilling morning encounter has forever changed the way I perceive the world around me. The date is July 14, 2018, two days after my birthday. At the time, I and my girlfriend were living with my parents in their old, old two-story brick house. Our room was upstairs. It was around 10 or 11 p.m. at night, and my girlfriend are laying in bed. Nothing out of the ordinary was going on, just a typical night, just chilling out in bed. First of all, let me mention I'm a grown man. Yes, yeah, still live at my mom's house, but still a grown man. I don't get scared easily. 
I'm not afraid of the dark or the boogeyman, but this night is going to test my scaredness. I never even imagined in a million years something like this would ever happen. It was the furthest thing from my mind. We're lying in bed, and my girlfriend had to go downstairs to use the bathroom or something. Mind you, the bedroom light is on, and I'm lying in bed. The TV is on. Haven't watched it at all that day. But all of a sudden, this is how I'm going to describe it as close as I can. Well, all of a sudden, it feels like my bed is almost shaking or vibrating, in a sense me not understanding what is happening. I start looking around, but as soon as I turn my head to the right, I can see plain as day, a silhouette of a human shape. But this human shape figure, you could see straight through. It kind of looked like heat waves, but in the distinct shape of a human. No mistake about it. Okay, let me pause and do a recap. I came to realize that the bed shaking or vibrating was actually me trembling out of the fear way before I even saw anything. It's like my gut feeling was in tune trying to warn me. Back to me seeing the human shape see through figure. I was just stuck in a stare or gaze of awe when suddenly I watched it walk to the foot of the bed, all the way right to my side of the bed, and in a split second my conscience said, Get the F up now and run. So I jumped up, and I swear I don't even remember walking down the stairs. I was gone that fast. Now, mind you, my mom, my dad, my sister, and my girlfriend are all right there in the dining room when I bolt through the downstairs door. They looked at me and said, What's wrong? You're as pale as a ghost. I kind of didn't want to say anything to them because, let's be honest, what if I told you that I saw a clear person? How the hell are you going to react? But this is the weird part. We don't mention this to anyone. About a week later, give or take, my niece comes over. She is 10 at the time and likes riding the four-wheeler trike. So she rides it for a little bit shorter than her usual ride. And she comes in and she is pale as a ghost. And we ask her what is wrong. What happened? What happened? She says, please don't think I'm stupid, but I saw an invisible person chasing me on the four-wheelers. It had a grown-up body, but it was invisible. It didn't have any facial features. All you could see was just the shape or outline of a human-like body. I instantly got chills over my body. Well, I told her I knew exactly what she had seen, because I had a similar experience a week before. I told her, you're not crazy. It is real. I don't know what it is, but I saw it too. I have one more encounter with the same invisible shape being four years later. I want to say the same one, but definitely the same invisible shape entity. I grew up on a small property in regional Australia. We lived about three, four kilometers out of town, so not super far, but also far enough that we never really get disturbed. On top of that, we were on a dead-end street, down the end of another street, off the main road, so not once have I ever seen a pedestrian near my house. Anyway, one night when I was about 12, I was watching TV when two of my brothers came downstairs and said, Did you hear that? I was pretty glued to the TV, so didn't hear a thing. But apparently they heard footsteps outside and a couple of hushed voices. Seeing as how my brothers were both around 20 and both big rugby-playing dudes, 
Their plan was for me to wait inside while they ran outside and tackled anybody they could find before calling the cops. So they both sprinted out the front door at the same time, splitting in different directions to wrap around the house and meet again on the other side, presumably each with a criminal wrapped in a headlock under their arm. If you've ever seen that movie signs where Mel Gibson and Joa Klein Phoenix run around the house, basically just picture that. Anyway, they never found them. Swear to this day that they heard voices, but nobody was ever seen. Our property has a lot of thick bushland right up to the house, so all we can think is that when my brothers came out, these guys just dissolved back into the bush and watched, then probably just took off once the coast was clear again. The whole thing scared the hell out of me. I was looking out my bedroom window across my backyard with a backdrop of a forest. I had a rabbit cage at the border of the forest adjacent to our work shed, roughly 40 feet away. I witnessed a six-foot-tall white rabbit with a dark vest facing the door to my pet rabbit's cage. I went into shock as I was beginning to be skeptical of such things as the Easter Bunny as I was aging out of the concept. I couldn't believe my eyes. I maintained a visual of the rabbit and pinched and slapped myself so hard to try and wake myself up. The pain confirmed I was not dreaming. I rubbed my eyes. The giant rabbit was still there. I threw open the single pane window which led to the backyard facing the rabbit cage. I yelled at the rabbit, Hey, I see you. I tried to volley up into the window to leap out and run to the rabbit in my tidy whitey kid's underwear, but couldn't make it up out the window. It turned, looked at me, and took a series of bounds at high speed into the forest. I called my little brother, and he arrived at the window as the giant rabbit disappeared into the Douglas firs. I woke my parents and even a neighbor. I quizzed them as to a possible Easter costume, but I knew no one could make leaps at that speed nor have such a detailed costume, and why run for that matter. They all had a good laugh at my expense. I explored my pet rabbit's cage and surroundings as well as the forest soon after trying to get a sense of what occurred. No tracks and no trace evidence were left behind. The memory haunts me to this day because of the absurdity of the situation. For some reason, I thought I would Google this strange experience, such as the one I had observed in my youth as it stands out in my mind to this day. Your witness's story came up in my feed, and I have goosebumps as I write this. I am in disbelief and a little embarrassed, but feel compelled to tell you my story because this is beyond coincidence and indicates something bigger is going on. Currently, I am a retired police officer and forensic artist residing in central British Columbia. I have witnessed strange things in my life and career, but this childhood memory was so strange and not a hallucination. It feels like a relief to recount it, embarrassing or not. Thanks for your time. After the six-foot rabbit incident, I had a bizarre Mary Poppins song stuck in my head on repeat, and I could not shake it. It really made no sense, as I was not a fan, and it was before my time. It was odd and ill-fitting for the occurrence, he added. 
The report referenced in the man's testimony came from Sharon, an Illinois woman, who said that when she was eight or nine years old, she awoke early one Easter morning in 1961 or 1960 to to see a six-foot-tall white bipedal rabbit wearing a black vest embroidered with multicolored glass beads hopping through her backyard. In further correspondence with investigator Tobias Whalen, the man noted some synchronicities between his and Sharon's experiences. What's very strange is the woman from her 1962 encounter had the same dog as me, an Airedale Terrier, and lived in a similar type of suburb, and was close to the same age and circumstance, he said. Also, like the man, Sharon only submitted her report after seeing another article published by the Singular Fourteen Society on a childhood sighting of the Easter Bunny, while rare reported encounters with mythological beings associated with major holidays are not unheard of. This isn't a super scary experience or anything, but at the time I was like ten or so. It was pretty unnerving, so I was staying with my grandparents, who lived pretty much in the middle of nowhere, and a dude knocked on their door. He asked for directions to town, but they lived on a dead-end road where the only way to get up there is to come from town, so he obviously knew where it was. They then pointed in the direction he needed to go, and then he said thanks. But instead of getting back into his car, he just ran off into the woods as fast as he could. They called the cops, but they never found him, so we have no clue what happened. He left his car in their driveway and never came back for it. 